This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about conservatives and liberals with Bishop Polmeyer. That's right. We're going to be looking at how society has broken itself up into multiple camps, typically along conservative and liberal lines, and how we can see the best in everybody and find unity in the church and society. One thing's for sure, it is Christ who unites. So let's begin in his name. Welcome, Bishop Polmeyer. Yes, You're, Bishop. Uh, this is now your second show. We're excited to have you here again. And I'm not wearing sweatpants. I'm going all out today, uh, Bishop. I see that. I was surprised when I walked in to know we were getting the first-class treatment today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's... Uh, Hopefully it's a sign that the first time was enjoyable that you've decided to come back. So we're really <laughs> pleased to have you back. And uh, and I know for our, yeah. our supporters out there and our followers on the show, you know, there was great feedback. And one fan of the show, I know Mrs. Polmeyer... She made some comments about me putting on my jacket immediately when her son told me, uh, what, no jacket? Yeah. <laughs> she should be satisfied today, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. <laughs> You're looking good, Father Rich. Hey, I love it. I love it. But uh, this is a really important topic, and this is one that our audience has asked us to address so many times, and it's something that we've typically avoided because it takes a lot of nuance, it takes a lot of discernment, it takes a lot of... Um, Sensitivity, Sensitivity really. to talk about this mm -hmm. in a constructive way. Now, we could easily talk about the divide between conservatives and liberals, and we can throw bombs and haymakers, and we could get so many views by exploiting the divisive nature of where our society's at. Yeah, we but know how to do that clickbait type of material, but well, it's like we've yeah. always been against that from yeah. the very beginning. We did one show on AOC when there were some defacing of statuary in California. And after we shot that show, I think we were in, still in Hollywood when we started. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. And and um, just like the the heartache afterwards and just feeling like we're not contributing to the overall unification uh, of, and we're just participating sure. in this kind of polarization. You know, there's no question that the fractioning of society and people taking up camps and the more and more identifications of these little cliques, they're growing by number every single mm -hmm. day and that identification. But the identity that we receive from God is the most important. And that ultimately brings us together as one. And the hope for this show and this conversation and with your participation and your comments charitably is that we ultimately are going to come in that form of of drawing closer into that oneness that we can find in the heart of Christ. Yeah, and that's so, we've always avoided really getting into this, but... Well, we're jumping right into the deep end. Because we have Bishop Polmeyer here, and Bishop <laughs> and Polmeyer yeah, is qualified to talk about this where we are not. So I'm just going to be quiet and listen. <laughs> All right, so cameras on you. <laughs> well, certainly, you know, this is something that's marked our society and our church for a long time in the seminary. 
you start learning about these ideas and kind of formulating what is it that uh, you want to emphasize in your priesthood. And then there's lots of advice as you begin parish ministry and people in various camps start sharing with you what they think. And very often it starts productive and then it turns into some criticism of the other side. And I think that we have to do our part to try to bring the unity that Christ wants instead of furthering the division that's a sign of avoiding conversion in our own lives. And mm. so there's a few things that I've observed over the years that I think are crucial if we're going to make headway towards greater unity. And all of the things that bring about unity are the ones that focus on Christ, that take seriously the teaching that he gives to us. And I would say the first and most basic way that we have to do that is to look at the other person truly as a brother or sister. If I don't see them as someone to convince about my opinion or someone to break down, to kind of avoid the falsehood that I perceive in what they say, if I can see them as a brother or sister, then, then I, I seek the good for them, genuinely seek the good, even when there is difference of opinion about certain things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So seeing them as brother or sister. Now, I would say the kind of mental step that should come with that is that we need to presume that they are coming from solid ground, mm -hmm. that if it is a person of faith, they are trying to follow the gospel, the message of Jesus as it speaks to them. Mm -hmm. And very often what's happening in the division is we have different points of emphasis. And in the church, we speak frequently about being a both and rather than either or, and yet we slip back into either or and create a caricature of the other person's opinion and immediately stop seeing them as brother or sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I like that you said there's different areas of emphasis that even, you know, when you're in seminary or a young priest, you know, a pastor or a bishop, everyone's trying to get you to emphasize one particular thing, and it's a very myopic view of any issue. Um, and then they almost yeah. want to steal the pulpit away from the responsibility that you have pastorally yeah. to preach the word and a faculty that you enjoy by the bishop's good graces, you know, and, and it isn't a place for politic. It isn't a place for partisan position. And, you know, it is a place to proclaim the word of God mm -hmm. and Jesus is the truth. And when, when we reflect on uh, the truth that is the person of Jesus, isn't it true that when we're on journey with him and we're walking with him, just like the boys on the road to Emmaus, like they're walking with him, but as they're entering into that dialogue with Jesus, as they're listening to him, their hearts are burning within them, but they're continually being exposed to the manifestation of truth from this kind of eternal font of wisdom, knowledge, understanding. It's not that it's not that they, you know, one encounter now truth has been manifest in the intellect of the boys in the Emmaus. Like it's this exposure and dialogue is a part of that exposure to truth that we need to constantly be exposed to and not come to any form of concrete conclusion. Like, okay, I've got it all figured out. Yep. This is my position. Now I'm going to argue and I'm going to destroy you. That's why I don't like like a lot of the apologetical circles. I kind of, you know, stay at a distance because it can tend to get into conversations where I'm going to destroy your position and I'm not going to value you as a brother or sister. Call you like, a name. Yeah, and right. it's like yeah. a, in an intellectual way. Yeah. Well, you know, it becomes like, about victory, not conversion. Yeah, and Christ's and one the only conversion. Victory. Yeah. yeah, like the conversion like, yeah. and accompaniment, and really trying to present Christ to a person—that's a very different thing than winning mm -hmm. an argument. 
And a lot of people in our culture just want to win an argument. Now, the thing that I'd ask you, Bishop, and you, Father Rich, is how do you feel this pressure? You know, how do people apply this pressure to you and try to get you to That's choose a camp? You know, or, I'm wondering you know, now about you. Because i, I got to imagine the pressure is like, yeah. hey, are you on our side? We you know, what's the side in the church? <laughs> you know, we get it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah we get it know, here why too. Why are you not picking a side right. about something? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I think that, again, that's a lot of pressure, but there's a lot of discernment and a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, consideration to always choose the side of the church because I don't think the church really has these hard divides. It's kind of been, they've taken the cable news American politics and put it on the church. Well, this bishop's a liberal, this one's a conservative. But then once they get a priest, bro, they're like, we have a champion of our, yeah, and now he's a hero Ooh, priest. That's yeah, hero that's priest. a dangerous place to be in as yeah. a priest. That's dangerous. You know? But I don't want to, I really want to hear Bishop respond. There's a distinction between, we have to think about our audience, and too often we're imagining an unseen audience. It's part of the downside of technology. The positive side is it allows us to preach the message of the Mm -hmm. gospel and reach Mm -hmm. a lot of people, but it, it makes it too impersonal. So we have to learn to see the person. And so I have to be asking Mm -hmm. myself if, if there's an issue that has a moral concern, then I have to think about the issue. And there is a right about that issue that I need to preach and the church is going to have a position on. But very often then I I talk to another person as if they are an issue instead of as a person. Mm. So a basic question I think that can help is whenever I'm talking to somebody or maybe I'm listening to somebody and I'm imagining all the other things they believe, I should ask myself, what is the good that they are seeking, mm-hmm. and really have an answer to that. Mm. Um, if I can, if I can accept that this person has a good that they are seeking, well, then mm. I can meet them on common ground. Because mm. as a person of faith, the good always is going to spring from the gospel. Mm-hmm. What is it that Jesus teaches us? Mm-hmm. So I am trying to emphasize this good and bring about a good for society based on this teaching of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we may diverge on some other teaching, Mm -hmm. and we may have to work on understanding about that. But if I can see the good that you're trying to accomplish, it opens the door for dialogue. And probably, if I'm really open, that if we are in any disagreement, the good you are seeking is likely to be a good I should pursue more. Mm Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think the the most important fundamental disposition then would be listening and actually listening to the other so that you can identify the good that they're representing. Right. And that sense of, of you know, um, what what is rolled out in respect to every council in the in the church's history is that deeper listening. Um, you know, as it as it relates to where we go with our with our conversations, you know, we have to begin with the sense of coming to the knowledge of the other person's position over your own position. And a lot of times in conversation, isn't it true that when you find yourself in the middle of it, this person's not listening to me. They're already formulating their response. I think it's what, what am I listening for? Am yeah. I listening for how you slip up so that I can mm, yeah. come in right there? Yeah. Or am I genuinely listening for the good mm-hmm. that you're trying to capture, mm. the way that you have been moved by Christ to act mm-hmm. in the life of another person in society? And I think as a way to, to gauge that, to understand the good that you're seeking, 
it comes always back to Jesus himself. And one of the most fundamental mysteries of our faith is that Jesus is both fully human and fully God at the same time. It's a, a mystery beyond our comprehension. We can't fully grasp it, which means that it, it always has the possibility to stretch us to help us grow into the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. And and so we tend to gravitate toward one or the other. We we relate to the divinity of Christ, we relate to the humanity of Christ and that's reflected on how we pray, on how we participate in mass, on the issues that are of concern to us. And I think in a, a general sense we can see that with the humanity of Christ there is the love of neighbor that mm -hmm. is a demand of Jesus. Mm -hmm. He makes it very clear over and over again that we'll be accountable to noticing. One of the scariest passages of the Gospels is when uh, we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus, because it doesn't tell us that the rich man abused Lazarus. It's only that he never noticed him. So we're accountable to notice the need of another people, mm. another person, and that opens the door for growth. Mm. On the other side, relating to the divinity of Christ is a recognition that this is the one with power over death, the one who came back from the grave, who appeared in transfigured glory, who calls us to see the Father in seeing him. So that causes us very often to connect with Jesus in the transcendental reality of worship mm. so that then we become drawn into the life of God through our worship. And then the little aspects of Catholic liturgy matter more and more because I see in them opportunities to experience the transcendent God. Mm -hmm. So we gravitate toward one or the other. And if conversion means growth, then here's a simple way to look at the other person differently to experience growth. Ask yourself, what irritates me? Mm -hmm. And if I get more irritated by people not handling the liturgy mm -hmm. the right way, or if I get irritated by people seeming to be indifferent to the poor, well, then that reveals the good that I'm after, or it wouldn't mm -hmm. bother me. Mm -hmm. But it also can highlight that I probably need to give attention to the other side. Yeah, that's really good. It yeah. is excellent. And I'm just, I'm sitting here even applying it to, you know, the, that gravitational pull toward depictions of Jesus in sure. like movies or, you know, like The Chosen, like Jonathan Rumi, like, he did an amazing depiction of the humanity of Christ. Where, where am I inclined toward that production or am I inclined Jesus toward of Nazareth, which Jesus is of Nazareth. the divine nature? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, that's a really interesting. Well, one, you know, of, one of the things that I think the worship provides, especially sacramentally is, you know, this incarnational God, this human and divine God. When we receive him, he, he, be, he, he lives in us. And so that, that for me has enlightened the way, I mean, like I do things after mass with my kids and I, I see things that normally I don't think I would see in the other yeah. if I'm not yes. worshiping God yeah. the way that he's called us to worship. Same thing like going to confession. Like if it's been, you know, two, three weeks since my last confession, you know, I can, I can sense a difference in, in my heart and my inclination toward others. Like, Am I being thoroughly patient? I still remember my early conversion with like being patient with my little brother, 13 years younger than me. You know, when I was in a good place and I was prayed up and I was receiving Eucharist daily and I was going to confession once a week, I would be treating my brother much differently yeah. mm -hmm. than when I'm not, it's been three weeks or four weeks in my heart, like I'm carrying all this stuff mm -hmm. and I'm more irritated by the other and I'm not really interested mm -hmm. in 
you know, moving past the irritants to the love of, of him for his own sake. Yeah. Right. Well, I think the mass itself is a, a partly a gauge because what is it that moves me at mass? Mm-hmm. So on the one side, understanding the humanity of Christ means that this community gathering together, I'm connected to them. Mm-hmm. We are brothers and sisters. And so that can be what is moving to me is the experience of worshiping with the community. To be more focused on the divine transcendent is to be more oriented toward the altar, the action of the mass, the sacrifice, and then the reception of communion. Mm -hmm. And the reality is it's always both. We are called to engage the divine God who meets us at Mm -hmm. the altar, but also to recognize in our brothers and sisters that we are this body of Christ. Even the word communion itself is both an intimate connection with Christ in the Eucharist and an intimate connection with the community of believers that makes up the body of Christ. And it has to be both to even approach what God intends. Mm. Mm. You know, we were talking earlier, Bishop, and you mentioned that throughout the history of the church, all the great heresies have been more or less Christological heresies, and they, it's people over or under-emphasizing one part of Christ's dual nature, right? And that's where you get into all these Christological errors. Um, but then you also see that reflected in the way that people overemphasize one particular charism in Christ, because Christ contains all charisms, and that's how you get a lot of these issues in the church. So you'll have people saying, well, these this particular bishop, he's too much into social justice, and he's a, he wants to tear down the church, and he has no care about the liturgy. Well, he's going very much in the direction of the love of the the poor and of of your neighbor, which is a good thing. So if you have a problem with that, maybe you need to focus on that. Now, conversely, you have people who say, well, this bishop, all he cares about is the liturgy and he couldn't care less about a poor person. Well, liturgy and worship is very important. Maybe you need to focus yourself on the liturgy and understand why the liturgy is so important to him or the poor is so important and find that balance, right? Uh, And you had this great analogy of like, you know, the horizontal and the vertical on that. Could you explain that? Yeah, the, in theological understanding, we talk about that sometimes. <clears throat> the Using the cross as the image, there is both the vertical encounter with God, the transcendent divine reality of God, and then there is the horizontal that recognizes God present in his creation, first of all, among his people. <laughs> and again, the Mass is, a, is an opportunity for both. So we, you can look at a liturgy and you can get a sense of what's being emphasized. Are they emphasizing this community gathering together and then being sent on mission to serve their community? That is the horizontal aspect of what Christ calls us to, and it's necessary. Or you can see ones that have more of a, a, a vertical approach, and so there is a particular attention to the finer parts of liturgy and and how those can relate to drawing us into the divine mystery. And again, we should be striving for both. You know, it's interesting, you you said, you know, we can overemphasize one or the other, and I think probably we can't overemphasize one or the other. We rather Mm underemphasize one or the other, Mm -hmm. because both demand our full attention. Mm -hmm. Both require that we give everything, because we are told that we should love God with our whole being. Mm. But we are also told we have to love our neighbor by laying down our lives. So both of those are love in the extreme. There isn't a medium way of loving. We are called to love entirely. So it's almost like we can't 
overemphasize one, mm -hmm. but our growth is going to come from where we underemphasize the other side. Yeah, I, give you, I give you a new commandment. Yep. Love one another as I have loved you. And it's like that that total gift of self and then this total, you know. And love uh, the Lord your uh, God with all your heart and mind. Yeah. yeah those like are the, these, he summed up all the commandments in those two. In those two. And then he gives a new command mm -hmm. yeah. and he takes it to the point of crucifixion mm -hmm. and laying down your life. And when you when you think about the limitations of our intelligence, and I like the underemphasizing these yeah. things mm -hmm. as opposed to overemphasizing them. Um, you know, our focal point and our, our, our lack of intelligence and, and uh, our ignorance in, in certain respects um, is the important premise of starting with like, it's like humility, like the beginning of wisdom, you know, mm -hmm. that's where, that's where it starts mm -hmm. and, and not coming to any form of like, this is my position. I'm going to argue from it. It's like, no, let's behold the mystery and let's just dialogue about it and discuss it. That's more collegial, that's more uh, building up of, of the communal nature of what dialogue um, is moving toward. Mm -hmm. Not that it comes to a final, a, a finality. The Teleologically, it's like, it's, it's rooted in, it's rooted in heaven. It's rooted in the end of times. Like it's, uh, right, now. that's a $6 word. I like yeah, that. I, I was trying, I was yeah. trying, man. And that's without I like an afternoon coffee. <laughs> yeah, you didn't make it that far. <laughs> no, no, one, <laughs> of the, one of the scripture <laughs> passages, I'll probably butcher it, but, um, is when Jesus is like, well, what good is it if you love those who love yourself? And I think this is really kind of bringing it back to winning an argument, right? Mm -hmm. What good is it that you, you know, you love somebody that agrees with you, that loves you, and then, you know, you have to love those who hate you, right? So That support mm -hmm. you on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you right now, the people that hate us because we haven't talked about, you know, Republicans, yeah. Democrats, and, you know, strict politics. And, you know, they were they were clicking on this video yeah. to listen to that content. And, and, and they're questioning, like, are we even talking about that? They may be, they yeah. may be arguing with I'm sure right we're now. getting some mean comments. And I'm that's sure fine. Those mean comments. We help. still love you. That's yeah, okay. That's, that's, I think that, you know, the political side of that is worth talking about. But before we kind of move in that direction, I, I do want to, you asked earlier about what people say. And as certainly as a bishop, I, I get all kinds of people that tell me what I should emphasize. And usually they'll say, well, you should be courageous enough to speak the truth. Mm. And usually the truth that they want mentioned is, is, is truth, is good, and it does deserve emphasis. But what I find is that they don't really mean the truth in the larger sense, mm -hmm. they mean a truth, an aspect of the truth of the gospel. And so to really preach the truth, we have to recognize that Jesus teaches the truth about love of God and love of neighbor. Again, we have to do both. So I, we have to be courageous enough to speak against the falsehood and the lies that come with living in this society. But we have to be careful that when I criticize somebody for not preaching the truth of Jesus, I have to look at myself again and say, what does that mean to me? Mm -hmm. So we have Jesus who includes love even your enemy. It's not enough to love those only who love you. He says, love your enemy. He says the truth of remove the beam from your own eye before you remove the splinter from your eye. So this is, this is truth just mm -hmm. as much as if we take whatever controversial social issue, mm. and we have to be willing to speak the truth that comes from Jesus about that, we also have to recognize that the truth calls me to conversion. And 
if we're not challenged to live up to the teaching of Jesus, we're ignoring part of the teaching of Jesus mm -hmm. because we have to fully convert our lives in an ongoing process. Mm. How did we get here? How do they get, you know, within the church so divided and so kind of along what you would maybe consider like a more political divide of conservative or liberal where they're, you know, debating issues? How did that get, how did that get transposed well, we've always in the been church? Here. You, you mentioned the earlier council. Blood was shed over the disagreements in those councils. <laughs> sure. So we are not more divided. I think the big difference is the modern communications allows us to hear more of those voices or to be aware of them. Mm -hmm. So in other controversies in the church, people didn't know who those personalities were necessarily, mm -hmm. if you weren't immediately involved. Mm -hmm. It's true for everything with, with kind of the challenge to faith in the world. Even a greater awareness of natural disasters can cause people to say, it's worse than ever. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. it's that... It wasn't that long ago you had no idea that some earthquake happened in another part of the world. So it seems worse because we're aware of the magnitude of it. Mm -hmm. So I would say that it's not worse. It doesn't mean then that we ignore the divide that exists, but we also don't need to make it bigger than it is. And mm -hmm. we need to recognize that any progression always is found in the unity of <clears throat> Christ uh, and staying focused on on the unity that he brings. What are we magnifying? You know, like mm -hmm. it, in the sense of, the, you know, whenever it's hurricane season in Florida, the musical accompaniment to uh, the meteorologist is like, you're going to die. Like, you know, kind of a thing. And it's like, oh my gosh, I better watch this, you know, for the next yeah. 10 days. I'm watching yeah. the Weather Channel. You know, and, and it's like the manipulation and the magnification of the something. COVID that body counts. <laughs> that you see, you exactly. Like, oh, could you imagine if they had Twitter at the Council of Nicaea? And it's like, dude, did you hear what the Bishop of Moesia said? <laughs> like, I can't even believe that. Who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Athanasius should speak out about this. And if he doesn't, there's a big problem. Like, you know, and I think that's really important to mention is that it's always been like this. People yeah. are people are people and people, you know, it, it's disagree. like St. Augustine, Augustine said something great. He's like, every generation considers its own the very worst. Yeah. You know, and but it's ours like, is definitely yeah, but ours yeah. is definitely yeah. the yeah. very worst. Yeah. It's true. Great. So what I really want to uh, ask you, uh, Bishop Paul Myers, um, just more about the conservative and the liberal, the, the political side of that, because, you know, I think a lot of those are uh, issue based. A lot of them turn towards voters and uh, blocks of voters and, and the issues are constantly uh you know, draped across uh, media. a partisan landscape. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it creates a unique difficulty for Catholics in the United States because we think so much in terms of politics. Mm -hmm. So, think back to any time the in our memory that we've had an election of a pope. Mm -hmm. The American media, Catholics, you know, they're they're all weighing who the candidates are, and, and they they have no concept of how that process plays out separate mm -hmm. from how we watch our political process and our voting go. And yet that those conversations, and, and certainly there's politics that are part of that and always have been, but it's not as simple as that. And uh, we've got in the election of a Pope, the perspective of bishops from all around the world who are, who are experiencing realities in, in their countries and their people that we can't even imagine. And that has a yeah. much bigger effect on how they approach it than just liberal and conservative. So as American Catholics, we have to we have to step back and make sure that we're not only judging it in terms of those categories. Now I think I think one thing that's helpful is to kind of identify a, a, another word that can move us away from 
this perception as American Catholics, and the other word is the word secular. So we hear a lot in the church today as people talk about a secular culture and how do we as people of faith respond to a secular culture. But then there can be kind of a, an identity with one side or the other as that's the secular side. They're mm -hmm. missing the point and they're secular. Mm -hmm. And we should identify the fact that there are secular conservatives and secular Republicans. To be secular uh, is to basically ignore the God, faith, divinity, Jesus part of how we approach issues and other people. So regardless of whether we find ourselves in agreement politically about whatever issue, we have to step back and say, is, is my foundation with this agreed side truly based on faith, the desire for conversion, a move toward eternal life? Or is it only a secular approach? Mm -hmm. Is it a desire to bring about some greater good for society, which isn't wrong, it just doesn't go far enough. Mm -hmm. Our goal is not only the good of society, our goal is to help move individual people within society toward their real goal, mm -hmm. toward the life of heaven, the eternal life God, that yeah. they were made yeah. for. Mm -hmm. You know, and I liked what you said about having to really see why people are going on a certain approach, that see what they're seeking, right? Because you got to work from the presumption that people are good and they're trying to do something good. I mean, even people we really disagree with. Like, I might really disagree with somebody on life issues. But these people are probably trying to be merciful, if I'm being honest. They're probably saying, look, this person who is who chose to have an abortion, she was try she was in a, in a really difficult situation and that was her only way out. Or these people who choose assisted suicide. They were seeking mercy. I, I don't think these people are necessarily seeking evil and destruction. They're Satanists dancing around a big statue of Beelzebub in the woods with fire. I don't think they're like that. I think they have maybe a disoriented view towards the completion of truth. They're trying to do good. So, I mean, if you can at least give them the grace to understand that they're not just evil, they just don't either see the truth like you do and they don't understand the full truth of it, you can see that they have at least some good intention. It's not just about murder. Mm -hmm. They're not just murderers. People who have gotten an abortion are just not murderers, and we have to throw them in jail. They're people who have been in difficult situations. Now, I am 100% pro-life and would defend it with everything that I've got. But if you at least see the humanity and the good in people who support mm -hmm. that— you can at least have some dialogue yeah, that we really, don't have yeah. now. It's a really good uh, topic to bring up in the in the light of this because, you know, especially people who want the pulpit, you know, and they're like, you know, you need to preach a pro-life message. You need to do this. You mm -hmm. need to do that. And, yeah, we are pro-life as a church. But, you know, I will never, and I hope that God holds me to this and, and the Holy Spirit, I will never bring up abortion without bringing up you know, an invitation to those who have suffered abortion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Without an invitation of those who continue to carry that in their conscience, without yeah. pastoral care for those people. Because in the pastoral environment of what we're receiving on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, we're the, the priests and, and the people pastorally in the, in the office that are receiving people who are like, I'm in a really hard situation. I just had it three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, I'm on the phone while I'm on my day off playing golf, <laughs> and I'm like having this heavy conversation with somebody that got somebody pregnant out of out of wedlock and and they're in a marriage and it's it's a bad situation. Mm -hmm. It's a bad it's a really yeah. bad situation. And it's like 
okay, let's let's walk through this process together. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that's the that's the accompaniment factor because we should we should never feel isolated, and we should never isolate somebody. We should always be actively pursuing the other, and and reaching down into what they're what they're struggling with, yeah. and all of us are struggling with the fullness of of you know truth. Underemphasizing, underemphasizing, we're all struggling with yeah. that. You mentioned yeah. you know people that have a certain opinion and creating a caricature about them, but again, the idea of the difference between a secular approach to the issue versus a faith-based approach. So we can lump those together. Mm -hmm. So I can look out there at a society that has lost touch with God and how I would speak to that group about an issue like abortion is different than how I ought to speak to my fellow believers who come to mass on Sunday. But I, if I don't stop and think, I can lump them in together. So I have this faith person who I categorize as being interested in social justice or whatever, not caring enough about abortion. Mm -hmm. And, and because I lump them in with this secular society, I forget that they are also motivated by the gospel. And maybe they're underemphasizing the need to address abortion, but they're not overemphasizing the need to care for the prisoner and the downtrodden. Mm-hmm. Um, they are putting their emphasis into that because that's their response to the gospel. And so every time I, I lump a fellow person of faith into that secular category, because I look at them as either polit- politically liberal or conservative, I fail to see them in the gospel. As a public person, Bishop, and, and as one who preaches the gospel, it also upholds a, a role uh, like you over an entire diocese and, and multiple churches and, and a region that spans all the way to the coast to, to coast. The coast to coast. Unique. St. Augustine's the best. Just putting that out there <laughs> in the state of Florida. Um, but like that, that role the and Devin responsibility, like how do you, coast to coast. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you um, approach that role that you have with such a wide group of people and not uh, do that? Like, Well, I think part of it as, as the bishop, and this is what I would hope for everybody, is that we do see the ways we are in this together as mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So that whatever issue is arising, we see that as Catholics, we have people that are addressing this in this way. So as, a, as an example of this, uh, I remember years ago, a priest friend of mine who was a new priest, and there was uh, an execution scheduled. And so he had personally come to the conviction that we should oppose uh, the ca- capital punishment very strongly. That was his conviction. And when this hit the news, he was fully prepared to be at the prison, to be part of the the protest against this. Well, As he was developing that, he became aware of what he didn't realize was that the family of the victim of that crime were in his parish. Oh, wow. And so he, because he was somebody seeking Jesus and not just promoting an issue that he was convicted about, he realized, okay, my brother priests that share my conviction, they'll be at the prison. What God is asking of me is to walk with this family Mm, who is suffering. Wow. So to his credit... He realized that I, as a priest, I have to give attention to both, and I have to appreciate the fact mm-hmm. that my brothers and sisters mm. are giving attention to that, because as a church, we have to be in both places. And so in this moment, I'm called to be here. Mm-hmm. I see you are called to be there, but I can't do that unless I'm willing 
to move beyond my initial conviction to a more complete, a whole mm-hmm. understanding of the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, with like religious orders, they have particular charisms, right? Um, you know, the Franciscans are very much based on, you know, serving the poor or, you know, the the Dominicans are very scholastic or the Augustines or whomever. And they had these charisms. And it was always explained to me that charisms are a particular emphasis on one of the particular uh, characteristics of Christ, right? Nobody can be exactly like Christ. So you find something that you can really uh, pursue in Christ through a charism. But, you know, a lot of times in our modern culture, we'll say, well, I don't know. Dorothy Day just loves the poor. She's a communist. Instead of saying this is her charism to love the poor and to support workers, we attack it as a fault instead of as a charism, Mm -hmm. as a particular aspect of Christ. And that's, I I think that, that, well, that's what I'm hearing when you're saying this stuff is like the difference between attacking something because it's not your charism and recognizing the charism in someone else, you know? Right. Yeah. I think listening, we, we talked about, you know, uh, I remember Ryan said, well, what would you do if your son said he didn't believe in God anymore? I said, well, you know, it's I'm not driven to an action. Yeah. I'm driven to a desire to know, the learn, son. understand, Yeah, right? Because love is lowering yourself, finding out where this person is, in this mm-hmm. case, my son, and then in solidarity, greeting him there and acknowledging that, mm-hmm. right? And I think, I think, you know, in in this particular case, in this priest case, and I, I love listening to how this is fleshed out in real life. I love yeah. that example. That's a great uh, example. Because it's a good example, it's right? Beautiful. Um, is that he listened, yeah. right? And he realized. And he that, responded. And he responded. Yeah. And he was humble enough mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. allow for the Holy Spirit to come into his Amen. life and guide mm-hmm. him there. Mm-hmm. And and the Holy Spirit is never accusatory. We mm-hmm. know who the accuser Amen. is. Amen. Mm-hmm. We already know who the accuser is. He accuses us in our own sin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's going to he's gonna desire for you to accuse others in theirs. Yeah. You know? So true. Yeah, you talk about listening. And, and so I think the posture that we all need as Christians is the posture for conversion, which means growth, which mm-hmm. means change. Mm-hmm. Growth happens because I change in some way. I change in my actions or I change in the way I look at another person or another situation. Everybody would say, I'm not perfect, but then almost nobody wants to actually work on those rough edges of imperfection. <laughs> and the, the idea of liberal and conservative, especially connected to the idea of the divine and the human, can be really helpful to us because it can help us recognize my rough edges. Again, what irritates me? So if I go into any issue or any conversation or listen to a podcast with the idea of, I need to be challenged to grow. It allows me to distinguish that's a truth I agree on. I disagree with how you are approaching it, but I can see that your conviction about this aspect can help me grow. I can do better. Uh, I can grow in understanding the whole of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if my, if my attitude is that I desire to grow to be challenged, then I'm going to listen with an eye toward growth. I'm going to listen with an opportunity for growth instead mm-hmm. of trying to catch you in whatever you say incorrectly. I, I know, I know already, you know, like politically, like if I, if I turn on a particular channel and I, you know, just, I start listening to what, what's <clears throat> being said, I know I'm already anticipating this is going to make me react 
this way because I've been conditioned in my own mentality yes. to have a position. And, you know, when you look at years and years of media kind of forming and kind of molding that, that sense of conscientious reactionary type of, of um, uh, I don't even want to call it a response, but that reaction, like how can we approach our content? How can we approach the message of the gospel? How can we approach our preaching and our educating of, of the general public mm -hmm. where it's helping to form right. this different approach? I think, you know, God gives us the gift of reason. Mm -hmm. So whenever we find ourselves disagreeing with something, watching the news, whatever it might be, I think one of the questions that can help us to engage our reason, to allow God to teach us is, is okay, so I disagree with that. Where do I disagree with you? Mm -hmm. uh, where, what would I say to you to try to help you understand? Because mm -hmm. we're not seeking understanding very often. We're just wanting to challenge. We argue about conclusions, and we never bother to figure out what are our shared premises. So back to the idea of a liberal conservative in a secular realm versus within the church. So if I'm watching the news and I disagree with them and I realize they're coming at it from a secular perspective, well, the way I would need to talk about it with them is very different mm -hmm. than if I'm at a parish council meeting and somebody is advocating for a different emphasis than I want to give. Mm -hmm. They're not coming at it from a secular perspective. Mm -hmm. So if I want to discover common ground, it's going to be found in a different place. So mm -hmm. I need to look at myself as how could I connect with you so that we come to understanding of the truth. Mm -hmm. And again, how I would do that with a news anchor on either side would be different than how I would do it with a fellow parish council member mm -hmm. uh, in the setting of trying to live out the gospel. Mm. But I yeah. don't want to do that. That's hard. I just want to be <laughs> mad at people. I just so want, it's easy I to just be want mad. To, I want truth as entertainment. I don't want truth as <laughs> oh, truth. And, and, like, you know, that's, and that's, that's yeah. the mindset of the modern world. Like YouTube right? is like, it's like so-and-so destroys so-and-so. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's and then true. You, you watch it and you're like, he was just, he was just talking. talking. <laughs> he, was like, he was just talking. Liberal Yes, he, owned, made, yes, he know, made a yeah. good point and it was factual, but like, it, it, again, it doesn't surface the, uh, the needs and the desires of, of what is good in somebody else. But people thirst for blood, man. People yeah. thir people like absolutely thirst for conflict. They thirst for these yeah. things. And it's and it's base and it's and it's sinful. It's 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 yeah. not good for the human person. I remember listening to uh used to listen to a bunch of sports podcasts and one of them he would uh, of course they would argue about sports things and he was very well aware these are not things that really matter on the grand scope, but he said something which I think translates very well to this conversation. He said, people don't want to get it right. They want to be right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so I just mm -hmm. want my opinion to be strong yeah. instead mm -hmm. of processing mm -hmm. the arguments to be able to say, is this correct? And so he would say, you know, I, I'm, I'm in this business for strong takes, but I have to admit when I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to get it right. Mm -hmm. I can't just be right. And it's like that hard line message is, is what has really built the very platforms of social media right mm -hmm. now. And when you see these articles that come out, these sociological reviews of like the death of discourse, the death of dialogue, the death, the death of the marketplace of ideas, and like, you know, we're, we, there's no hope for society. These like kind of this messaging, it's like, it's, it's yeah. not true. It's just genuinely not true. And, and people, I'm sure, and there are probably people that are listening or watching right now, 
and clicking the thumbs up and making sure you hit the subscribe button at this very moment. Or commenting how terrible we are. Comment, <laughs> can, look, a comment's a comment for us as far as the album And we take goes. it all. Just that's bring fine. it up. My wife does it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's on a daily basis. <laughs> but, you know, you, you sit here, and, and I know there's people out there that are saying, oh, this is a wishy-washy yeah. position. This is a very my you know, hero like, priest would just go out there and correct. Yeah, my hero priest right. would not do that exactly. And and I'm Why sitting here you thinking, like, you know, like the the true heroic nature is is somebody that's willing to put their arms out on both sides right. and be crucified. Yep. What's not wishy washy is repent and believe in the gospel. Yeah. But yeah. to read the gospel mm -hmm. is to take in all that humanity deals with. And so I can be absolutely correct and need to speak strongly about the issue I care about, mm. and. Jesus demands that I be willing to grow in another area of mm -hmm. my life because so that's how Jesus approached people. He mm -hmm. challenged them in the areas where they needed growth, and we see that across the mm -hmm. spectrum of issues mm -hmm. in the gospel. Mm -hmm. So that's not wishy-washy because Jesus demands repentance, mm -hmm. and he doesn't say that only to a group of people that thinks a certain way. He says that to every disciple. You know, can't we just have a really beautiful traditional liturgy and then afterwards go out and feed some poor people? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, can't we, you know, worship God and really focus on our prayer, but then also care about you know, immigrants? Can I wear a cassock and not be labeled an ultra-conservative right. traditionalist? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, that, but that is what the church proposes. I mean, if you look at all, like, if you ever read like Everlasting Man by Chesterton, he he's go, he goes to this oh, anthropology great, of religions and how they really are manifestations of human desires, right? Mm -hmm. And you have all these sacrificial religions where it's like we're going to take everything wrong, put it on someone else, and ice them, you know, and throw them down the pyramid steps or whatever. And I think part of our nature is to want to get to whatever <clears throat> the problem is in our society and kill it. That's what we are, mm -hmm. you know. Human beings a lot of time are killers, and they want to kill the problem. And we are approaching every issue in our society like we've got a knife to its throat. Oh, you disagree yeah. with me? I want to kill it on social media. I want yeah. to oppose. I want to fight. I want to win. I got to conquer. The only way that this truth is validated that it is true is if I beat somebody else. Like the yeah. only way to address yeah. it is pacifistically, and then and yeah. then it's like we do not talk about politics and we don't talk about religion. Yeah, well, that's a you like, never talk a, about politics and religion at a party. What else is important? Like what a terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, philosophy of of how you approach one another, and then and then the but that's how we were raised. Yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. that was absolutely how we were not raised. My dad. And then like the the, yeah, the dad, secular yeah. view, and the the most eloquent, the most courageous, in a sense, uh, are, are elevated to to being like this is the this is the warrior, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that I follow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 in Christ, what we're doing here, the outcome, hopefully, and through the grace of God, is. We point to the warrior, mm -hmm. right. the warrior of Christ, Absolutely. the victory that's already been won. Mm -hmm. yep. That's mm -hmm. the point of all this. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not to, you know, regress back and allow all this stuff to happen. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, we've got yep. to point to Christ at some, somehow. Mm -hmm. One and of the it, most beautiful commentaries on that line I've heard was somebody evaluating liberal and conservative historically that we have governments in our in world history that that become extreme on both liberal and conservative. And the more extreme they come, the more they justify that sacrifices have to be made. To accomplish the pure vision I desire, mm -hmm. sacrifices have to be made. And as they get to the extremes, they, they justify killing people mm -hmm. because that's the necessary sacrifice for the purity that I desire. 
And this commentator was pointing that out on both extremes wow. and then saying who Jesus is, is that when Jesus came to realize a sacrifice was necessary, mm. he sacrificed himself. Mm. And so the extremes of liberal and conservative justifies sacrificing you because you don't match the purity of doctrine I desire. The follower of Christ is the one who lays down his life for another. When the sacrifice is necessary, mm. I sacrifice myself. Even the That's apostles, amazing. when they're walking with Jesus, I, I always find it funny, like some of the conversations, because I'm like, man, you guys don't get it. You're walking with Jesus, like literally walking with him. He told you this a chapter ago. You know, like, it. But like a lot of them are like, you know, they're, they're thinking like, because they've seen all these wonders, they've seen all these miracles, and they're just like, go get them. Go get these Dude, people. Go, ice, go get go Caesar. Ice them, <laughs> yeah. Right? And he's like, I am not, this is not my kingdom. Yeah. This is not my kingdom. Like, my kingdom is in heaven. <laughs> my kingdom is your soul. That's yeah. what I'm concerned about. Yep. And I think that's the, you know, the brackets here is that when we're meeting people where they are in that disagreement, we're sacrificing our own ideas, even though they're right, to understand where somebody's coming home from to try to build them up in Christ mm -hmm. because eventually that's where we want to point well, to. Sacrifice my ego, right? I can I lay down my life for yeah. you. I don't have to sacrifice my ideas. I don't mm -hmm. have to, yeah. to sacrifice the truth, but it's not my truth. Yeah. So I can sacrifice the myself truth. in service to the truth. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the receptivity and the humility there is like you're approaching it, even when you're approaching your son. Yeah. You know, like you're approaching it in a sense like by the nature of who you are, you're going to enrich me. Yeah. I mean, by your position is done for us. Like, I mean, you and I, we had our conversions. I mean, I'm, I'm in there like, oh, man, it's all about the Eucharist, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's in my mind. And, mm -hmm. and yes, it is a, a big thing. But, boy, how I have grown from that day. <laughs> yeah, from, from that, that first, day. Yeah, from right? that first you know, day, yeah. and, and how have I grown? I've grown from getting beat up, going back to Christ, asking for his mercy, uh, learning how to listen to other people. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, marriage is a... That's a perfect place yeah. for a beautiful marriage is the arguments, the, the, the going back from it, saying we love each other. How do we figure this out? Do you know how many times we've done that? Like it's dozens and dozens of times. But if, if, it, if I'm not laying down my perspective for my wife to understand where she's coming from and she's not doing the same thing. It doesn't work out. Bishop was talking about the seminary before, and I still remember being in the major seminary. You've never got to this uh, class with yeah. Dr. Raza, but it's like uh, that. That oh, she's the best, you know. But on counseling and like active listening, yeah. and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of all of the relationships that I had growing up with the, with these different girls, and I'm like, if I had these skills that I'm <laughs> learning right now in those relationships, I could have avoided so many like with your sisters, fights. with my sister too, <laughs> with, uh, with like everybody. And then I'm thinking like every single couple that goes through marriage prep needs to go through like a module of this yeah. because it is, it's, it's life altering because once you can represent the other person's position, their heart dilates. You mm -hmm. see it in every counseling session that you, that you do, you see the heart dilate, they're like, somebody's listening to me. Mm -hmm. Nobody listens to me. That's what happened to the Grinch. <laughs> uh, true, very true. Don't, don't start making me cry, man. His heart <laughs> dilated. Um, Bishop, we, you know, we've been doing the show about four years now. We get criticized for being too conservative. We get criticized for being too liberal. We get criticized for being too modernist. We get criticized for being too tra traditional. Somebody called him fat. 
<laughs> Someone yeah. And then I lost weight. Yeah. <laughs> and now your cassock fits. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing the 34 <laughs> cassock at the point. Without missing a beat. <laughs> what advice would you give to us as a show, as a ministry, who's out there talking about stuff like this? What would you give to us to be more considerate uh, about what we're saying and how we can treat the audience great. who, you know, we have a responsibility to? So I think we have to keep coming back to Christ and, and that we're always trying to respond to that call to re repent and believe in the gospel. And I think that the idea of believing in the gospel, ask somebody, what does that mean? And they're going to pull out aspects of the gospel typically that they've grown to follow. They're not going to pull out the aspects of the gospel they don't want to hear. And mm. so there are always, uh, always room for us to grow. And, and if we're totally comfortable with Christ, we're not listening. Mm. And so we have to be willing to do that. And I think that uh, we have to try to emphasize both the human and the divine. And so we can, we can speak of the both and. Uh, how is it that this draws us into the humanity of Jesus and the love of neighbor? How does this draw us into the divinity of Christ and the loving of God with my whole soul? So it, it's impossible to always do perfectly because we can't really dive into an issue if we're constantly qualifying how we talk about it to account for the other parts. Mm -hmm. So we have to be willing to go in on, on this aspect of the truth and not consider it the whole truth mm -hmm. because the whole truth is always bigger. It's always the full life of the Trinity uh, revealed in Jesus, fully divine and fully human. And yet we as limited people who must carry the message of the gospel, we need it to in a sense, overemphasize this aspect and accept the fact that this is being underemphasized mm -hmm. in this moment. Mm -hmm. But my growth is how can I give attention to what I might underemphasize? Mm. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, now, before we wrap up, a couple of things I want to do. Number one, um, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Hollow. Hollow is the number one Catholic prayer app. Uh, over, over a billion. A, over a billion prayers person. have been sent through this app. They got all kinds of great content, some new things like Bishop Barrett reading the um, Psalms. They've got Mark Wahlberg. They've got Jonathan Rumi. Uh, they've got the Bible. They've got uh, guided prayers, guided meditations. They've had the Lexio Divina. They have Divine Mercy, Rosary. Oh, geez, yeah. They have all of it. They have music. Things so much for great the kids. Stuff. Yeah. Lo-fi. 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 Yep. Um, so if you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow, you could download the app for free. Try it out. Uh, it's an app that we all use. I use it literally every single morning. I use it for my prayer, for my reflection. Uh, uh, Lexio Divina. Yeah. My, it's kids, a, yeah. my kids and I use it. Yeah. So go, lot. you know, we recommend it. Go try it out. Um, another thing I want to make sure is... Uh, you know, if you enjoy the show and you want to help uh, support our ministry, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon, and then you could donate, you know, just a little bit that helps this show keep the lights on and cameras, and we have a lot of great gifts that we want to give to you in our gratitude in return. Mm -hmm. And Bishop Omar, we're just so grateful for you coming back on the show. And, uh, you know, to our fans out there, if you're wanting another yeah. episode with Bishop Polmeyer on the humanity and divinity of Christ, make sure you're putting that in the comments section, because I would love to have a further conversation on this, because yeah. it is a mystery that I think many people generally uh, really haven't even considered, you know, the humanity and divinity of Christ, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And that that means everything to, you know, how we approach our faith and how we walk with Christ, because Christ meets us in every form of human suffering. And 
He's meeting you presently and whatever you're facing. So just know of our prayers. P- please continue to pray for us. And as we continue to build up that unity in, in a world that is so desperate for it, let's begin with listening, listening mm-hmm. with one another and showing that charity actively in our community. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.